You're listening to Rethinking Trade with Lori Wallach. Small business owners and farmers are protesting the green WTO and NAFTA are transnational forms of autocratic governance that support their own free trade. Seattle has never seen anything like it. Welcome back to Rethinking Trade, where we don't just talk about trade policy, we fight to change it. I'm Ryan, and I'm joined once again by our in-house trade expert, Lori Wallach. So, Lori, Wednesday is a big day because it's the day the new North American Free Trade Agreement is going to be implemented. And this is something that you've worked extremely hard on, not just in the last few years, but in the last few decades. Maybe you can tell us first about NAFTA and what the new NAFTA is. So NAFTA, the North American Free Trade Agreement, was this radical corporate experiment in using the brand Free Trade Agreement to implement a set of new corporate rights and powers and to constrain government regulatory authority on a wide scale on issues that never would have gotten through Congress as normal legislation. So at the heart of NAFTA are foreign investor rights that made it easier, cheaper, less risky to outsource U.S. production jobs to much lower wage Mexico. These investor rights basically took away a lot of the potential threats that would otherwise be associated with outsourcing jobs and investments. And in short order, we saw a mass movement of higher wage union jobs from across the United States, not just the Midwest, but California, New York, Texas, that in NAFTA's 25 years resulted in over a million government certified NAFTA job losses, which some of the pro-NAFTA think tanks say is an undercount of one out of 10 of the real damage. Also at the heart of NAFTA were corporate tribunals called investor state dispute settlement tribunals, where corporations were empowered to go before tribunals of three corporate attorneys to demand taxpayer compensation for any domestic law or government action, court decision that the corporations claimed undermined their NAFTA investor rights. Over the decades of NAFTA, $400 million was paid out in taxpayer money to corporations attacking toxic spans, water policies, timber policies, energy policies. And there is no outside appeal in these cases, and there's no limit on what the corporations can get paid. And then finally, the NAFTA had at its heart some very strong limits on government policies that are pro-people, pro-planet. So for instance, it did not have any disciplines on subsidies for agribusiness, but it had rules banning certain food policies that were designed to protect small farmers. So in the course of NAFTA, even in its first 10 years, according to the Mexican government, more than 2 million campesino, small independent farmers were pushed off their land. And NAFTA even made the Mexican government changed the Mexican Revolutionary Era Constitution to allow U.S. agribusiness to buy up farmland. And very quickly, migration of desperation from Mexico to the U.S. 
expanded enormously as workers first went to the borders where they were seeing dollar an hour jobs in these US plants that had moved to Mexico. But so many more people lost their jobs that even those low wage jobs couldn't contain people's needs. And there was a wave of really NAFTA forced migration to the US. NAFTA has been a real loser for people on the planet for all three countries. There's some very big multinational corporations that loved it. And because the NAFTA experience has been so devastating and there are whole parts of the country, El Paso, Texas, um, parts of Los Angeles, where there are a lot of Latino workers, the African-American new union-based middle classes of Milwaukee, Wisconsin, Detroit, Michigan, people were just devastated. And there's been a lot of pushback from Congress to fix NAFTA. So when NAFTA renegotiations were announced, there was some hope that actually things might get fixed. But the first new NAFTA, the renegotiated NAFTA that Donald Trump announced, actually kind of made things worse. It didn't fix the bad stuff that promoted outsourcing, and it added a variety of new giveaways for big pharma that would have locked in high U.S. medicine prices and exported our medicine pharma monopoly ripoff pricing policies to Mexico and Canada. So it wasn't a big shocker that the Democrats in the House of Representatives said, uh, no, thank you. And they ultimately, after a year of a standoff where Trump tried to ram that bad NAFTA 2.0 deal through Congress, and the Congress said, uh, no, finally, the whole thing got renegotiated a second time. Trump was forced to take the big pharma giveaways out to improve the labor and environmental standards and to implement a totally different enforcement system for labor that might have some chance of raising wages in Mexico, which obviously is critical for people there, but also is critical to stop the race to the bottom outsourcing. And that deal passed with very wide majorities of Democrats and Republicans in both the House and the Senate. And on July 1, it's supposed to go into effect. But some of the things that were supposed to happen before it went into effect, especially in Mexican labor rights, just not looking so good. So speaking of those labor rights and the coalition that fought against Trump's original NAFTA 2.0, maybe you can talk about the coalition that formed around the original NAFTA's implementation and how that same coalition of different types of organizations are working together now to address future trade policies and advocate for changes for people on the planet. The original NAFTA fight really birthed the fair trade movement in the United States. At that point, the labor unions and the environmental groups were fighting over the Clean Air Act. The consumer groups and the family farm groups were fighting over a dairy bill. And no one was really working together on trade. But NAFTA was such an obvious threat to everyone's interests because it had become this cauldron where every corporate interest from Wall Street to the food processors from oil and gas companies to the chronic outsourcing manufacturing companies like GE, they all had thrown all their favorite ingredients into this toxic soup. And so really a lot of groups that were fighting with each other sat down and realized, well, hell, we have a lot more in common trying to fight this corporate nightmare NAFTA 
than we have in fighting each other. So let's put those fights we're having on the side. We'll keep having them (laughs) over those specific issues, but let's get united together across the country with all of our different organizations, labor, environmental, faith, family, farm, women's groups, consumer groups, and let's figure out if united, we can actually try and beat the corporations. And in 1993, on November 17th, in the House of Representatives, NAFTA was almost defeated. In fact, two weeks earlier, there was a large majority against NAFTA. Then President Clinton bought the votes one by one, trading a highway here, a project there. NAFTA narrowly passed and went into effect on January 1, 1994, and the disaster was ongoing. The groups that started that fight back in the early 90s stayed together. And as they grew and sadly as the evidence of the disaster that was these corporate rigged trade agreements became more evident, they started to have successes, stopping the expansion of the WTO, stopping a hemisphere-wide NAFTA expansion called the Free Trade Area of the Americas, stopping a 30-country investor state dispute settlement agreement called the Multilateral Agreement on Investment, ultimately making it impossible for the Trans-Pacific Partnership to get to the U.S. Congress for the year after it was signed. And then that was the coalition of groups that basically made it impossible for Donald Trump to railroad through the House of Representatives, his NAFTA 2.0 deal that was worse than the original. And that's ultimately the group that forced the renegotiation of the renegotiated NAFTA so that we have an agreement that, though certainly not the model going forward, is better than the original NAFTA, might have some chance of improving the labor situation in Mexico, which would be a big deal, doesn't have the investor state dispute settlement anymore at all between the U.S. and Canada and is much scaled back between the U.S. and Mexico, got rid of some outrageous mandatory natural resource export rules, but left in place the bad agriculture rules, the problems with food safety, and and added some really retrograde rules that have to do with limiting government's ability to regulate in what they call digital trade. But we'd all think of as our online privacy and the liability of the big online platforms. So it's a mixed bag. It's better than the original for sure. It was worth passing this so that we don't have the old thing. But again, it's like the difference between being in the 12th rung below hell And we're now, you know, a ring above the surface, but our butts still are getting grilled. (laughs) This is not the agreement we want. We want something that is aspirational, that's actually objectively good for people on the planet. So yes, big improvement, something to be proud of. But at the same time, there's a lot more work to be done to build on the gains that were made between the NAFTA renegotiation and the kind of agreement we'd really be for. And one of the more significant areas of those changes was in the labor rights and the labor standards. And we just received news recently from Mexico that independent labor leader Susana Prieto Terrazas has been arrested on bogus charges. And it does not look good considering Mexico's commitment to sweeping labor reforms. Maybe to close us out, you could just talk a bit about the challenges facing the improved labor standards in the new NAFTA and how civil society can play a role in, in making sure those changes are made real. So there's no doubt that the new NAFTA on paper is an improvement over the old one, but it remains to be seen if real people's lives get improved. If in Mexico, for the first time, people are allowed to actually organize independent unions that can fight to raise their wages and their working conditions will improve, 
whether that will incentivize U.S. companies to not see Mexico as a labor union-free, low-wage, torment-the-workers zone, and as a result, there'll be less outsourcing from the United States of manufacturing jobs. We do know that under the new NAFTA, corporations will lose the investor state attack rights. We do know that certain policies like mandatory natural resource exports are out, but the real change the real thing, is still to be seen. Will the new NAFTA actually translate into improvements on the ground of labor rights for Mexican workers so they can fight to improve their conditions? And this situation with Susana Prieto is really bad news. So she is a very well-known, very brave organizer, labor lawyer, She was involved in fighting for the rights of workers along the U.S.-Texas border last year. You probably saw in the news a lot of what were called wildcat strikes, workers at Maquiladora plants, border manufacturing plants, um, in Matamoros and and, um, in Juarez, Mexico, fought to get pay increases. Totally inspiring. They did strikes, they got renegotiated contracts, they got increases. She was one of the folks who helped workers there achieve that goal. And she's been incredibly forceful in fighting for workers now being pushed to go back into their plants when it's not safe and COVID is increasing and Maquila workers are dying from exposure to the coronavirus in these plants. She's been pushing to get health and safety improvements and to not reopen the plants until workers have personal protective gear and there's plexiglass between their stations and et cetera. And she was swooped up on false charges of mutiny, among other things, and not only jailed, but now denied bail twice. And she is locked up 200 kilometers away from where she lives in the state capital of one of the border states in what is, you know, a really dangerous situation. Like in the US, the Mexican jails have very high incidences of COVID 19. She's been denied bail. They've got her locked up. They don't want her organizing. They don't want her helping the workers. And the thing she was ultimately trying to do is one of the fundamental guarantees in the NAFTA, and that is to have workers vote for their own union leadership to file a petition to get rid of an old fake protection company union and replace it with the real union that represents the workers. That's one of the essential guarantees of the new NAFTA, and that is basically what she was arrested for trying to file. So it is super ominous. She has been in jail for three weeks. The federal government, the president of Mexico, has not intervened. It's obvious that some right-wing governors in these states in Mexico are heavy-handed in trying to defeat the labor reform. But now it's the issue of the president, AMLO, as well, the president of Mexico, because he hasn't done anything to, hell, get her out and bail, much less to ensure that the labor law reforms that he enacted in Mexican law, great improvement, and on paper, much better, and that are required by the NAFTA on paper, actually result in real improvements in people's lives. It really is casting a very dark shadow over the July 1st enactment date of the new NAFTA that Susana Prieto is in jail. And frankly, a bunch of those corrupt unions that she's been fighting against, have tried to legally challenge the new labor law, which would implement the NAFTA. So we are all going to have to really be on our toes 
If you tune into our RethinkTrade.org website, you can get updates about what's going on. We're going to be tracking Susanna's situation and also the status of the labor law reforms. If you want to read a legal memo about those issues, it's posted at TradeWatch.org. That's www.TradeWatch.org. And working with our counterparts in Mexico, we intend to fight tooth and nail to actually make real the changes we want on paper in the NAFTA renegotiation fight. That's all for today. Thank you all for listening. Rethinking Trade is produced by Public Citizens Global Trade Watch. I would encourage you to visit RethinkTrade.org as well as TradeWatch.org to educate yourself and to find out how you can get involved in the work we're doing to fight for fairer and more equitable trade policies. 